radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Hello, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Talking Real Money, 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 Money podcast. I am Don McDonald. Over there, 3,000 miles away across the room, the biggest room. This is the biggest room in the world. It's a 3,000-mile-long room. From As a matter of fact, the, the gray panels are identical. Look at that. The sound panel. I hate those lights, though. They're just... Well, I hate the lights there. I have a nice LED light in my end of the room because I I go for the uh, the mood. Feel like I'm in the operating room here or something. So yeah. And and speaking of uh, kind of an eclectic mood, um, there was there was a uh, a conference last month in Berkeley, California, of all places, which. You know, it's going to be a strange conference if it's in Berkeley. That's Tom's hometown. So it is indeed. Um, yeah. And uh, this was this a fits, doesn't it? Uh, this was it really a, works. This was a conference. And I found it fascinating. It was about prediction markets, about predicting the future and about the what we call the wisdom of crowds. What that means is that in aggregate, when you get a lot of people making bets on a certain result that you end up with a very accurate number at the end. As a matter of fact, there have been multiple studies done that have shown that presidential betting markets where people bet on who's going to be the president or who's going to be the candidate are far more accurate than the polls. Exit polls. No, than the actual pre-polls. I see that where where they go out and do a survey. Yeah, where they call where they you up and say, "Hey, Don, who are you voting for?" Okay, yeah. Yeah. and and this is a conference of young um, <laughs> math geeks, and yeah. apparently math geeks can be kinky too, because um, this business conference they they bet it they were betting on everything at the conference. Mm, this mm-hmm. was to show yeah. that 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 how accurate this stuff is. And when the conference started, one of the things they voted on was the likelihood of an orgy occurring at the conference now that's something i have never seen at any business conference let me see a show of hands how many of you have been to a business conference where there was (laughs) a 28 percent chance of well that was the initial bet i'm not seeing a lot of hands okay 28 percent was the day one bet on the chance of an orgy by but by the time they got to know each other a little better day two (laughs) the odds went up to 47 percent wow by day three they went over 100 they went to 100% because what date the night after day 2 there was an orgy <laughs> the author does write in the orgy and i hope he's being honest says no i was not invited not invited yeah, yeah. i just think this thing is funny that part was funny yeah. they call call the conference part math olympiad and part burning man but what is fascinating about this conference and this concept is that it is proving to be, and, and, and as a matter of fact, if we think about it for a minute, it has proven to be very, very accurate. And I'm talking about the largest betting market in the world, not Las Vegas, not sports books, not uh, election books, not, uh, not, not, any other conventional gambling, not horse races or lotteries. I'm talking about the biggest betting market in the world, and that is the global stock market in which tens of millions of people 
every minute of every day are making bets on what individual stocks are going to do, what the markets are going to do. And when you have that many people making bets, what they are doing at the time is likely to be very accurate. As a matter of fact, there's even a theory named after it. It's called the theory of efficient markets, Tom. Yeah. And listen to some of the numbers. It's astounding. Uh, you mentioned millions of trades between buyers and sellers. You mentioned that those trades, they take in all the news, the expectations and information into prices. And that number, okay, you ready? $675 billion a day. This goes back to 2022, according to dimensional funds. That's a lot of money moving around where people are saying, hey, this is a reason that Ford should be higher than well, not Tesla, but uh, you get the point, right? These are people voting every moment on the economy, on companies, all that. And as you say, it creates, by the measure of academics, a very efficient marketplace. And it makes perfect sense when you think about it, when you take it back to its ultimate point, which is a binary choice. If you just have a binary choice, uh, Trump versus Biden or wh whatever it is, like it was in 2020. When, you, when you're dealing with a binary choice, well, your bet is no more likely to be right than my bet. But when you take the bets of everybody out there, it turns out that the betting markets showed Biden winning, by, by the way, by about exactly the number of electoral votes he won by. The markets were that efficient. And this they, is they, the point, right? Yeah, it, which means you get that. You here's the problem then with you now thinking I can pick a better stock, I can pick the right time to get into the market, I can pick the right time to get out. You are just you, and you your odds are with any one given stock, no better than 50-50. Yeah, and speaking of 50-50, today. If you look at the world of investing, almost half of the money in mutual funds and exchange traded funds are in a product that agrees with this overall philosophy. That is, they're index or index-like or non-predictive. 20 years ago, it was one out of $20. So if you're still part of the one out of 20, right? I mean, pardon me, the night. The, the the massive amount of money 20 years ago was people bought uh, stocks thinking they could see the future. They, they invested in fund managers who charged more, but told you, here's what the future will look like. And here's why you get to give me money. They believed in a guru of some kind that could help them lead the way. Now, the the bigger money is all going into this more indexing style. I hate to call it passive because it's not necessarily passive, but it is non-predictive. That gets back to this aggregation of information that you're really talking about, Don. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, is that when we look back at the total returns for almost any market. And Dimensional's done work in this with the total market. Uh, the standard, a lot of people use the standard and Poor's 500. Um, and and let's just use the S&P, which is the, the thing that everybody kind of agrees is the market, but it's really not. But let's use it because it's the easiest number to track. If the S&P 500 started in 1928, through the end 
of December 2022, the average annualized return for the S&P 500 was 9.82%. Now, let's just round that to 10. If you invested over that period, let's just say you were very long-lived, you put money in the market in 28 years, would you have been happy through all the trials and tribulations of the market? Would you, wouldn't you have been thrilled to have received an average return over that time of 10% per year? And you didn't you have to do anything. Yeah, you, you didn't have to do anything, but you had to live through. You had to hold firm through world wars, the Great Depression, the Great Recession, upheaval of all kinds. That and people saying, and this is the part where you really should pay close attention. I'm kidding. Don't pay any attention at all. After these things happen, the people that say, "Here's what's next," because they don't know anything more about what's next than you do. That's the key, Don. And the point of this is that throughout all of that, there were periods when the market was rising and declining, and the and the and the crowd was right at the time, given the future, the the expectations of that brief period of time. But you tend not to follow the crowd. And we've seen this over and over and over again, where people call and say, Well, the market's going up, but the economy is terrible. I'm out of stocks right now. Why are the stocks going up? Why is the why is the market not doing what I wanted to do? Because I expect I was knocking. Oh, you scared me. I thought somebody you was trying to, try to come in. <laughs> come in. Well, no guest uh, today, but okay. No, I, I get a little. I get. I get a little emotional about this yeah, stuff because you. people yeah. are saying, "I don't want to invest because it feels bad now." Well, yeah, but you're just one person. The market itself is looking at data that you don't have. There are thousands or millions of people who have data you don't have. And they're saying, eh, I see things getting better in the future. So I'm going to start buying stocks before you do, because you don't have that ability. Just follow the crowd. Just follow them. They're usually right. Not always, but they're right enough that you're going you're gonna to be just fine. Don't be greedy. Well, and I think the key thing here, you mentioned 1928 through the end of 2022 with almost a 10% return for stocks. Why? Well, stocks are riskier, right? These are investments in companies. And you've been paid for taking that risk. Not every year. And, and, and there are times when it feels horrible. You can remember the headline, what, death of equities back in the early 80s. We can give you all kinds of time periods where people said, do not put money in stocks anymore because the stock market hasn't worked. So I do think the thing you can trust out of all this, Don, yes, is that people generally have been right because they've trusted history. They've trusted academic work that has said kind of over the long haul, here's what it all means. And they managed to do that, hold on through those very difficult times. Yeah. They've also trusted the logic of the markets. And this is the thing that everybody misses. The markets are not a zero sum casino. They're not a, uh, a game that's stacked in the house's favor. They're not. The markets are merely a numeric reflection of the economy, of the economy of humanity, both nationwide and worldwide. And the economy of humanity, it can be proven by, there was even a 2,000-year study done uh, by a guy in Scotland, 
that showed the global economy has consistently grown decade after decade, not necessarily year after year, but decade after decade over the course of 2,000 years. I think that's a reasonably good thing on which to bet. That's a fairly long track record, although when you consider the history of the world, it's still fairly limited, but, you know, I mean. Well, but the problem is prior to a few thousand years ago, I mean, maybe five or six, eight thousand years ago. Okay, let's say eight. There was no global economy. Unless there you were no a economy. shark or something, they were around, no, right? There the, were people. Oh, okay, but okay. There were people, but they, you know, they were just subs. They were sustenance farmers or hunters. They weren't. They weren't. There wasn't a a, a trackable economy. It wasn't until about two thousand years ago, the Roman Empire, that we had really trackable, and the the Chinese empires and the like, Indian empires, where we had trackable economies. If you really wanted to look hard enough at the at the archaeological data, so. Anyway, I'm not getting Thank into you, that stuff. Thank you, Professor Don. That's very helpful. Question time on oh, Talking yeah. Real Money. And you can send these. You can. You love the. You get so many of the called ones. They sound. They sound great on the podcast you do with the questions, which they, airs every they're Friday. Because coming in over the over the internet and through yeah, people. Remarkable. Buy a good mic for your computer. Oh come on! Or just use the in. mic on your computer. It's okay. Get pretty crappy. Yeah, get a decent right. one. You yeah, spend a hundred dollars and get a decent mic. Yeah, I know how to plug it in. <laughs> It's a USB plug. Oh, okay. I guess I could do that. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah, Tom, after this is over, Tom's going to go out and get in the, because he's going to go hitch the horse to the buggy. I'll be home in a couple hours. At least now, at least now he has the droppings bag behind the horse. He didn't (laughs) used to have that. They don't don't let me drive drive through without it. This comes from John in Lodi, California. Hello, Tom and Don. I'm a longtime listener. John has five grandchildren, five years old and younger. I have separate brokerage account with Fidelity where I transfer $1,000 on each one's birthday each year. Oh, that's just great. Mm -hmm. I hear you give advice about the different alphabet uh, mutual funds ETFs, but I never go back and listen and write them down. I'm willing to be aggressive with this account as the money will be there for 25 to 30 years. Which one, two or three mutual funds or ETFs would you recommend I move this money into Small cap value and international are fine with me. Again, this is five grandchildren, five years old and younger in a brokerage account. Yeah, not so no a matter what uh, 529. You do, no matter what yep. you do, they're not going to be upset. So if we totally exactly. mess this up, they're not going to care. Well, they plus, don't by, the time, by the time yet. they're 25, they're, they're going to be they're hard to find us. So yeah. anyway, so you know. it won't matter. That's why I'm counting on death to bail me out of a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> No. One, two, um, or three mutual funds or ETFs. What do you vote for? Um, I would just go broad. I wouldn't even, you know, Paul would probably say go with a small cap value fund like AVUV. Is that the yeah, one? Yeah, I think value? that's risky because that's one I, asset class for. Yeah, I, mean, I agree even, too. I would just go AVGE. That would be my well, one. Well, if fund. you want to get fancier, you could go AVGE for like 80% and 20% no, in one, AVUV. One fund. He said one, because two, or three. One, two, yeah, three. but one. I, you okay. want to go simpler. I, I I'm with you. A V G E. It's yeah, easy. A V G E tilts small. Yeah. It tilts value. Anyway. This is a global equity fund. It holds thousands of stocks. It does it at a very low cost. It'll be fairly tax efficient for a long period of time, which is important because again, this is not. Remember, if it was in a 529, you wouldn't be concerned about the taxation. 
which is another question I would have for John. But you're not going to be that concerned about the taxation anyway because they're kids and there won't be no, much in the way of income There shouldn't be. But I guess my question to John would be, why not take a, split the difference and do half in a 529 and half in a brokerage account? Because remember, the money from the 529 can go right into their Roth IRA at some point. That's why my next, I was going to say, why have it in a brokerage account at all? Why not put all of it, all of it into a 529, at least for now, at least for the next few years, because you get the advantage of this long-term growth. Then, uh, and the nice thing about this money is that it can be used, the primary purpose, it can be used for pre-secondary education. Yep, that's right. It can be used for all manner of secondary education, Mm -hmm. including trade schools and apprenticeship programs now. So there are so many options for the kids to get training in whatever it is they, they plan to do with the rest of their life. And then on top of all that, the $35,000 that can get them started in a Roth IRA. I've run numbers of with all kinds of assumptions. A couple million bucks, you said, or something, and, right? And, and depending on what you assume, if you, you know, really safe yield, okay, 7%. it'll only be a few hundred thousand. Oh, but if okay. You, if you if you assume a seven or an eight percent, which look at history, yeah, uh, you look at yeah, and you're talking real money. Yeah, the Wait, no, that's not the cue to stop the show. No, okay, they, they the music to cart away your there. microphone there. Just you know, for I a said moment. talking yeah. real money. In the the no, 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 talk- it's not the end of the show. Not yet. Close. Okay. Anyway, all right. That pretty okay. soon you're talking millions. There. Thank you. <laughs> Is that better? There you go, John. There's a one exchange-traded fund and also a suggestion on maybe dividing that money up if you insist on the brokerage. But as Don said, I, it, I in, in today's world, it's hard to imagine why you wouldn't do the 529. All right, this comes from Mike in Plant City, Florida. So is oh, there like a plant that's located the, that's, there? Or? That's the, no, Plant City is yeah. strawberry country. Ah, Okay. Uh, they wow. grow so um, most of the strawberries that you see in February, March, April, uh, particularly in the East Coast, comes out of Plant City, Florida. I've gotten so spoiled lately that because the ones that come out of my garden are just so good compared to the stuff you get in the store, which I find abhorrent. And they have the strawberry festival every year. I think in oh, February, okay. it's a big Plants, deal. Okay. They bring in like mm. country stars from all the biggest country stars and. Right. In the land and a big fair, and you can get all those those fried things. I wonder if they right. do fried strawberries. Probably be good. They fry everything. All right. Uh, Mike wants to know what is the best practice to have dividends and capital gains go to cash in an IRA or reinvest? He says I'm currently going to cash and then draw the money uh, from the money market funds for required minimum distributions. Ah, that my answer was going to be, yeah, mm-hmm. well, it depends on where you are in life. Exactly. If you are not yet retired, um, then the money should always be reinvested. Yep. It's just automatic. And then you compound, but when you get to retirement and you're starting to take money out, then the first money you should take out is the distributed money on which you're going to have to pay taxes anyway. Uh, unless it's in an IRA, but you're well, and, and unless it's in a Roth, I would leave it in the Roth, but in a regular IRA, I'd take it and spend it just like you're doing that. Remember, remember that over the long haul, it's still a better philosophy. It, it's ended up making you more money rather than piling up the dividends to still reinvest them, rebalance the portfolio, use those for that purpose 
and pay yourself out of that. But you're right. In some cases, you just say, I'm going to need the money in a month or two months, whatever well, it is, well, yeah, move the money say, over. It, monthly spending money, you just take Correct. it. Then you don't have need, you don't have transactions to deal with. That's true. You know, so, it's just simpler. So yeah, that was an easy one. And spend uh, your money. Spend your and money. Buy some strawberries. Well, no, it's not February yet. I bet he I bet the guy eats a it's lot February? of strawberries. Really? Because I don't think we get ours till June or something. It's Florida. Ah, that must be the case. Okay. I mean, think I about it. it. We can't grow strawberries in the summer here. It was so funny. Just a little aside. We were up in Asheville helping my mom out. And uh we went by the farmer's market, which is just a few blocks from the nursing home where she is. And they had all these beautiful mountains of North Carolina flowers. You mm. know, they're grown in the mountains. They're pretty. It was the season for them. Beautiful potted flowers. And and I said, Deb, I, I just don't think those will do well in Florida. But she insisted on buying those North Carolina mountain flowers. Well, we got them back here within like a week. They were just, Wilted. they went, they, they, it's too hot in Florida. Aww. And they died. Yeah. So that's too bad. Rest that's in sad. peace flowers. Okay. Good thing they weren't that expensive. Good thing. Oh, Anyways, this is a show about money, right? So, right. so I wanted to get the money aspect in. They weren't that expensive. All right, everybody. Tom and others are available. They are at your back and call. That's another one of those sayings that, you know, you got to look it up. I don't know where that comes from. You figure that out while I tell them how we're always at your beck and call. Uh, you can call us, yes, 800-386-3004, 800-386-3004. Yeah, we'll give you an hour of our time looking at your portfolio, looking at your plan, making suggestions, helping you get on with your life. Just talk to a great uh, young guy, 37 years old, rebuilt his 401k, showed him where to put his Roth money in. On you go. Just love doing that kind of stuff. Or if it's more convenient or less threatening than a phone call, you can go to TalkingRealMoney.com, click on Meet and Advisor. TalkingRealMoney.com, click on Meet and Advisor. So where's the beck and call? Okay. Beck is an abbreviation for the word beckon. Ah, beckon. beckon. So it's that beck makes sense. and call. Now, some people say it wrong because that's what we do in, in America. Like, for example, we were the, the, our homeowners association board was trying to censure someone and <laughs> somebody posted, fun. posted on social media. Well, why are they trying to censor them? Oh yeah. Right. And censor. They misspelled sure. censor. They yeah. misspelled censor. No, they didn't. It was censure dummies. Big difference. Well, some yes. people say so. it's beck and call. B-E-C-K-O-N call. No, it's beck and call. And beck is just an abbreviation for beckon. There you go. How'd the vote go on the censure? Oh, I spoke. I got up and said, just you guys, this is the most dysfunctional HOA board I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what is this? The House I of said, Representatives? Or I said, would you guys on? grow up? I said, really, this is embarrassing. They wanted to censure him and then punish him for right saying there with something the lash, that Or what were they going with? Well, the they, had the or meeting, they had the meeting on a day he couldn't be there. <laughs> Perfect. Couldn't defend and I, I, I said, I'm a former president of this board and yeah. you guys are an embarrassment to the Whoa. community. Yep. And then th right after that, and my wife spoke, the, the president of the board said, okay, maybe we'll just say we disagree with what he said. Ah, said, that'd be nice. Yeah, that was disagree. not, that's not very American today's world. <laughs> I think Jeez. the stockade should come out immediately. So good. can't we just get along people? people? Yeah. Can't we just get along? All right. Did you do all the stuff? 
You I did while you were beckoning and calling people. Calling, beckoning, I calling, handled right. the, the tough stuff. Uh, again, once again, uh, you already know. I'm Don. That's Tom. What do we do? We talk real money. Now you can do it. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast were current on the date recorded. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice, including any forward-looking estimates or statements which are based on certain expectations and assumptions. Although information and opinions given have been obtained from or based on sources believed to be reliable, no warranty or representation is made as to their correctness, completeness, or accuracy. Information presented on the podcast is not personalized investment advice from Appella Wealth. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for everyone. This podcast does not identify all the risks, direct or indirect, or other considerations which might be material to you when entering any financial transaction. Past performance does not guarantee future results, and profitable results cannot be guaranteed. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. The podcast is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by a Appella Wealth, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Please see Appella Wealth's ADV Part 2A on our website for information regarding Appella's fees and services. Appella Capital LLC, DBA Appella Wealth, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. The firm only transacts business in the states where it is properly registered or excluded or exempt from registration requirements. Registration with the SEC or any state securities authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Appella does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing either stated or implied here should be inferred as providing such advice. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and important disclosure related to performance of any specific index or fund quoted in this podcast. Is anybody still listening?